Welcome to Movie Maniacs. Mike Rags and Chuck Curry discussing the greatest movies of all time and all the new films in theaters and streaming that you need to know about. Like us, rate us, share us. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Rags and Chuck Curry. My partner on this uh, weekly podcast radio show, uh, Kenny B. This is uh, Movie Maniacs, our weekly uh, show talking about anything and everything that delves into the world of motion pictures, uh, television, and anything really pop culture entertainment. I do have a topic of pop culture entertainment I want to get into, Ken, right off the bat in a second, but we could be heard on WW. Uh, W-O-W-O, whoa, whoa, out of Fort Wayne, Indy, and every Saturday night at midnight, and our weekly podcast, as, which just airs on the internet. Yeah, as compared to here, where we can go get sandwiches at Wawa. It's too, yeah. too bad there's not a Wawa at whoa, whoa, and then we'd have it all covered. I understand that. So, uh, uh, our top, uh, our top ten topic this week's, uh, broadcast is the second half of our, of our show, which always highlights the show will be... I was given some thought, what do we do this week? And I said, okay, let's do our top movie, top 10 movies that we think we'd like to see remade. Uh, this has been some really good remakes. Uh, no doubt, even though remakes get a uh, bad rap a lot, I'm going to give a sort of a, uh, a little bit of a list also of some of the remakes that have been really good real quick. But we're going to talk about 10 movies that we would like to see remade possibly for the better uh before we get into uh the meat and potatoes of the uh broadcast ken how are you and anything on your mind i'm i'm good and chuck knows i hate i hate remakes so i originally came up with a passive aggressive list when included things like sleepless in seattle except he gets some ambient movie ends really quick you know or i was gonna i was gonna i, I was gonna i was gonna redo in the heat of the night but it was gonna be a transgender female cop from the uh, from really? Philadelphia who comes down yeah and the sheriff's going to say oh uh, miss missy what do they call you and she's going to say they call me mr tibbs i had i had 10 of them like that but i but i i, I persevered so i am going to have a top 10 that will not be totally humorous okay that sounds very good don't quit your day job by the way by the way for the audience ken does some stand up comedy on the uh, side, uh, I would say hit or miss. When he hits, it's a home run. When he misses, uh, it's a crash and burn. Just real quick, I want to point out a little bit delving outside the world of movies and, and well, this TV to an extent. But I do want to talk about uh, WrestleMania 39, which was uh, streamed on the Peacock Network uh, Saturday and Sunday in two parts. I watched it at my ice cream parlor in East Strasburg. A lot of people who were in the, in the shop sat down and were watching. And it really brought back a lot of memories. And I, had, uh, I have some opinions on what I saw. First off, it, they drew 81,000 live attendance both nights, which is very impressive. It was at the, so, uh, the Sophie Arena in Los Angeles where the Los Angeles Rams and the San Diego Chargers play. And I, when they made that announcement of attendance, I was like, wow, that is really a present, uh, impressive. They had a Hall of Fame cel- ceremony 
Also, uh, Stacy Keebler w- was introduced into the uh, Hall of Fame, uh, rubbing Rey Mysterio and a few, few other people, which is really cool. Now, what I watched, I would say this. Wrestling now in 2023, WWE WrestleMania, is quicker. Uh, it's more dangerous. The athleticism is at a much higher level than it was in the 80s. Having said that, it's just not as good, in my opinion. Like, I was, I'm watching it, and like, these guys have been, and girls are flying around the ring. They're doing all sorts of cool stuff, some of it very dangerous. But it felt, to me, sort of a soulless affair. And I harken back, because I've been playing the Andre the Giant Hulk Hogan match in my ice parlor on YouTube. And people are mesmerized when I do it. And that was 36 years ago. Andre the Giant couldn't move that well. But what a presence, what a personality, what an interesting just pop culture icon. And him and Hulk Hogan, when I think about that match, and I think about the rest wrestlers in the 80s, Roddy Piper and Macho Man Savage, uh, or Jake the Snake Roberts, George Animal Steel, managers of Captain Lou Albano, Bobby the Brain Heenan, Gorilla Monsoon announcing. Uh, it just was a better product for me. It just uh, The memories are there. And I'm watching this product of WrestleMania 39. I'm saying, yeah, I mean, it's, it's well done to an extent. I don't think the announcers are nearly as good as they were in the 80s and 90s. But overall, it just feels disconnected to what it should be. The storylines and just the people wrestling. To me, yeah, they're athletic but they just don't have what Roddy Piper had and Hulk Hogan had and Andre the Giant had and all these great superstars of the 1980s. I don't know if you got a chance to see any of it. I know the ratings were extremely good. Uh, it was a second most watched live event on Peacock beside the Super Bowl, which I, I like. I mean, I, I like the fact that it does well. I like the fact that people like this stuff. I think it's really cool. I just don't think it's, it is what it was back in the 80s and 90s. I just wanted to point point that out. I just felt compelled to do so. Yeah, I wonder how its viewership was compared to the uh, women's uh, W the women's NCAA final, which drew something like twelve million as a peak, which was the never before seen by ESPN. But one thing about the one thing about the wrestling is um, of course the next day then they announced that um, WWE and um, UFC was going that they were going to merge. Yeah, which I, I saw that, which is an interesting, is an interesting merger. Now I'm going to ask your opinion. You got UFC, which is real. I mean, they fight for real, and you got the WWE, which they fight, which is staged, but you know has a lot of entertainment value. What what what's the appeal here of this merger? You tell me. The the appeal is everybody knew that McMahon was looking to sell out. There were stories he was selling out to the Saudis and things like this. So it allowed him to, and even though it's a publicly traded company, he still controlled a lot of the stock. It allowed him to sell out in a way he's going to remain involved as the executive chairman of uh, WWE. And I, I think that, I hate to say it, but I think the demographics are pretty close between UFC and uh, WWE. Um, yeah, I would guess that's the biggest appeal. Yeah, I think most, you know, I, I think that is the big appeal. But it then got me thinking is thinking about that was we've talked before about movie theaters and content providers and takeovers and all that. Last week in the business news, a lot, a lot of um, bubbling about Amazon, perhaps going after AMC or maybe going after Cineworld or someone else. So uh, my prediction might actually come true one of these days. Okay, so my question to you would be twofold. 
let's just say Amazon does that. Let's say they, they swallow up AMC. Uh, how does that benefit the industry? And two, what would that do to AMC stock? Uh, well, I, I mean, it it might pick it up a little bit from where it is now because it's definitely cratered because of the uh, the shenanigans they've gone on with issuing more stock. Um, I don't know what price, but you know, right now Amazon could buy it probably for six or seven billion, which is next to nothing. Uh, I think what it would do is whatever one they don't buy, the the next one up is going to be even more expensive because now all of a sudden Netflix and whoever else wants to get in on the game is going to have to bid up for either Cineworld or Cinemark. And I think it's I think it's brilliant because it, it gives them they will have a, an exclusive outlet for the content that they're provide that they're producing. And each of these um, streamers has indicated they're gonna spend billions of dollars on content. So it's 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 only logical. And they'll they'll have they'll have three weeks in the theater and uh, then they'll go go straight to streaming. And if you want to see a Spielberg movie when he does an exclusive contract with with Amazon, you're not going to be able to see it unless you go to one of Amazon's theaters. So, and I, you I think that's the way it would. You think that's the way it would go? I, I don't know. I, I I still think they would play by the current rules uh, and, and and put like say a Spielberg movie or Chris Nolan movie. You know, unleash it on 3,500, 4,000 screens, whether it be the Amazon owned uh, Cineworld. Uh, and, and be diverse across the platform. I think ultimately that's still in their best interest. They could play the exclusive. Uh, they could play the exclusive deal, which would take the industry into a different spin that we have not been been used to, in, at least in uh, in, in our, our lifetime. I, I don't. It's going to be interesting to it's, see. It's how been that 80, 87 like years since we've had that, but that's originally how it was. Was the the studios had exclusive deals with the theater chains and then with the paramount decision they had to uh, separate but I, I can really see it happening and i mean the one that's the granddaddy of them all that i can see doing it and doing it exclusively would be disney for traditional sure. disney content yeah i mean we could go that way i mean it's an ever-changing uh l- landscape no doubt let's box into bouncing the box office totals uh, over the weekend, Dungeons and Dragons, a movie that got some terrific reviews and o- excellent audience poll reaction. Stars Chris Pine opened to thirty-eight million dollars, seventy-two million worldwide. That is a opening weekend that is a little bit better than expected. Uh, the studio, which I believe is Paramount, is hoping that word of mouth uh, gives this film legs, and hopefully they can develop a franchise property. If it is, I have not seen it, but if it is good and entertaining, as they're saying, it is based on uh, a lot of the, the uh, overall e- exit poll buzz. Um, this one could have legs going forward. John Wick 4 uh, plays second, $28 million the second week of release. He had 60% drop off of a massive $72 million opening still 123 million 10 days of release the religious film his only son 5.5 weekend uh, releasing it on palm uh, sunday weekend was a uh, good strategy scream 6 5.3 98 million in four weeks this will be the i believe the highest grossing scream movie uh, of of uh, since at least the first one it's going to break 100 million dollars here domestically creed 3 5 million 144 million in five weeks of release i got a chance one movie i did get a chance to see uh i did see the uh the the P- peter uh the bobby folly directed movie champions with woody harrelson uh about a uh a, a, 
men's basketball coach who gets pulled over for a DUI, goes before a judge, judge uh, sends him to do community service, uh, coaching uh, special needs uh, teenagers or young adults. Uh, it's a Folly Brothers movie, uh, so it does have a little bit of uh, edgy humor. It's PG-13. Overall, Ken, despite the fact that I felt this movie had flaws, uh, I did enjoy it. I liked watching Woody Harrelson here for, for uh, two hours. Caitlin Clark, who's the female lead on Always Sunny in Philadelphia, I thought was a bright light. I thought she was tremendously appealing, had really nice chemistry with Woody Harrelson. And she actually, you know, based on a character she's playing, uh, is very dominant in her personality on screen. And I enjoyed her a lot. I thought it had some good laughs. It could have had more, but it had some good ones. It had a good message. Uh, it held my attention completely for its two hour and five minute running time. So I would give it a seven out of 10. Uh, if you don't see it in the theater, if it comes on streaming, I think it's well worth two hours of your time. So seven out of 10 for uh, Bobby Foley's Bobby Foley's uh, champion starring Woody Harrelson. Uh, I think you'd like it. And, and ironically, the yeah. the leading scorer in the NCAA women's basketball tournament was Caitlin Clark. Just the... it, it was. You know, I, I'm glad you just boy, I watch because my daughter plays high school right. basketball. And and we watch uh, those, those games. And I got to tell you, when, when, uh, when I'm watching her, when she beat South Carolina the, the, before the final championship game, I text the, uh, the the local college female basketball coach, and I said, because I go to all the games and, and I'm a big supporter of the team, I, I said instantaneously, this, this, is girl, this girl is the best female basketball player I've, I've ever watched. And, you know, you, we talk about what opens a movie, why do people watch t- uh, a TV show, why do people tune into a sporting event? You need star power. Oh. And this girl has it in spades. De- I think def- she's a class act, a great player. I enjoyed watching it tremendously. And, and, and definitely because this year, of course, the star for uh, Paige, uh, I can never, I always forget her last name, for Connecticut was heard all years, Paige Buckers. And, you know, we you know we had Stewie Leonard, uh, uh, Stewie a few years ago, and we had uh, uh, other, uh, Brianna Stewart, not Stewie Leonard, yeah. he's the one who has the grocery stores. And But although the, I mean, to me, the greatest female basketball player ever uh, was um, Cheryl Miller uh, but okay. for her time. But the, the yes. amazing thing is that Cheryl Miller and uh, Clark have one thing in common. That is, they grew up playing on the boys' team. So they play basketball yeah. rather than uh, women's yeah, basketball. I don't want to dwell on basketball too much as we're talking movies. Well, it is Indiana after all. I, I will say this. I think that the WNBA... With a lot of these, a lot of this college talent now can really turn a page, and I think be elevated uh, to a higher level because a lot of good, uh, interesting college female basketball players, and that this tournament really shined a light uh, and drew uh, a very high audience. You said 12 million people at its peak for that final game is an incredible. I mean, the NBA playoffs don't do that. I mean, they don't. They're not. They're not that exciting either. No, no. I mean, this was great. I, uh, I I liked it a lot. Let's bounce into some movie news of interest. I'll get your opinion. Uh, according to reports, including Variety, uh, HBO uh, is planning on doing a Harry Potter uh, rebooted series. They'll take each individual book. I think there were eight or nine and make one full season out of each book. J.K. Rowling's who wrote all the original material, 
uh, will be uh, a very focal point of the creative control of this show. Obviously, it's going to be completely uh, a new cast. Um, Harry Potter is a cash cow over at Warner Brothers. They own HBO and HBO Max. I can see why they're going to do this. They're not going to leave the, 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 the franchise this profitable, just dormant, living off the residuals of the uh, movies that were uh, shot and highly popular. But um, this is interesting to do this. Not surprised. you have an opinion on this? It, it'll, it will be interesting because the thing that made Harry Potter so, so successful is all the kids who went to see those movies read all the books. And I don't know yes. how many kids today are reading those books, but it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I, I think so. Before we bounce into some other stuff again, at the second half of the show, uh, we're going to do our top 10 movies that we would like to see uh, as a remake. So that should be uh, pretty interesting. Uh, some Let's bounce into some um, uh, one other bit of movie news. According to also the trade variety, can Mike Myers, Eddie Murphy, and Cameron Diaz are all been approached by um, by uh, uh, DreamWorks? I think who was bought uh, Universal actually who bought DreamWorks to do a fifth entry in the Shrek franchise. Now, I, let's just say they have to pay each one of these actors twenty million plus to do it. I think it's a good investment because another Shrek movie means uh, at least a billion dollars at the worldwide box office, if not. More. So it looks like we're going to get a Shrek 5 in the next uh, couple of years. I know you like uh, animated movies. What do you think of this one? Well, I, again, I, boy, I'm, I'm doing pretty good on my predictions now. Because if you remember, I pointed out when I saw Puss in Boots, uh, The Final Life, which I, I thought was the best written movie of 2022. Why it didn't get a, uh, an Oscar for writing, I don't know. But um, I said, hey, it ends with them sailing to faraway land. So clearly a sequel was in the mix. I mean, I really only recognize three Shrek movies. The fourth one was the was the bomb in the bunch. But I, I, I think it's smart. And I, I think if you look at the unbelievable success of Puss in Boots last year, why not do it? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how the Super Mario animated movie performs. It comes out... Uh, this week, Wednesday of uh, this week, it came out. Uh, I think it's going to perform, according to tracking, extremely well. And, uh, you know, and, uh, fair tracks huge family audiences. And if you do it right and uh, people respond, you really can do extremely uh, very well. Let's do some uh, This Week in Movie and TV History. Let's go to uh, This Week in uh, in. Uh, Movie history, uh, April 3rd, 1968, Planet of the Apes, nationwide in theaters, starring Charlton Heston, Rodney McDowell, Kim Hunter. Uh, obviously, I didn't see it in 1968, but I did see it upon a re-release, and I still think it's one of the most fascinating, thought-provoking motion pictures ever made, spawned an amazing franchise. I think first five movies in the original franchise, the last one so-so, but the first four Highly thought-provoking. The original being the best. Um, I love me some Planet of the Apes, Ken. That, that was, must have been really cool sitting in a movie theater back in 1968 watching this movie with an audience that kind of experienced see, having see the Statue of Liberty mm -hmm. at the end and understanding his fate. Pretty cool. Well, having gone to see it on the Saturday after it opened and seeing it at least twice because Timmy Sheehan and I used to do that. We would sit and we'd see the movie over and over again because they didn't clear the theater 
between movies because people would go in like coming in the middle of a movie back then even uh yeah it was a total shock the the statue of liberty the damn you damn you all the hell ending of it and uh it was a great experience didn't know what to expect and uh I, I can. That's one of those movies I do actually remember my day in the theater watching it. And I got to tell you, you know, is Charlton Heston was awesome in that film. I love Roddy McDowell, but Kim Hunter, who played Zira, I thought was great in that franchise. Uh, she did a great job. Uh, just a highly likable presence in her chemistry with Heston's Taylor character in, in that film was uh, really really good uh a couple birthdays of interest uh the late spencer tracy born uh 1900 passed away in 1967 boy oh boy 123 years ago spencer tracy was born i'll always remember him as captain culpepper in uh, the 1963 comedy it's a mad 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 world really angered that film as a the straight man but those those scenes on the at the building on the fire escape just so funny in the hospital scene at the end when Ethel Merman slips on the banana peel and Spencer Tracy finally has something to laugh about, Ken. Uh, truly iconic stuff and great memories, at least from uh, my childhood, watching that with my family on TV every time it uh, came on. What's your, what are your Spencer Tracy memories? I, I would I would be guess who's coming to dinner, uh, which, okay, was, which, which I almost did as a remake, but then I said uh, Get Out really was the remake of uh, guess who's coming to dinner just with a little bit of a, uh, a twist to it but i'm i always remember you know him and hepburn as a as a couple um it's one of those things they just they work so well together when they were on the screen i i, I agree uh wholeheartedly another birthday of interest this week craig t nelson turns 79 years of age i i'm a, always been a big i think he the guy is a terrific actor on in the abc sitcom coach uh, a really good show i thought he did some really fine work obviously most people know him as the star of uh the first two poltergeist films the first one being uh an absolute classic uh movie he also did a movie called all the right moves with tom cruise in uh, i think it was nine it was in 1983 i love that movie his work is really good uh craig t nelson 79 happy birthday craig i I think more i think more people today probably know him from coach then from Poltergeist, but yeah, all the right moves was a great movie, and uh, uh, he, you know, he played a played a uh, great role in it. And that, that line about the hot poker, I will always remember. And one other uh, bit of uh, this week in TV history: April third, seven years ago, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's Negan is introduced on The Walking Dead, which really changed the landscape, not only of that series but of television in general, because it sort of showed that you could take something that was on paper in the graphic novel, turn it into live action in the TV show, and really spook the audience uh, to turning off uh, what they once loved. Now, I love the show throughout its entire run, but I, I am in the, in the camp that I do think the introduction of this character, Negan, on The Walking Dead seven years ago was one of the scariest pieces of television ever aired uh, aired on ABC. It was a great piece of television, but they went into psychological de- deliverance ter- territory here, and it turned off so many people, Ken, that their rating went from a high in this episode of 17 million viewers a week 
down to seven million within a year, and then it started to erode and erode. Now Jeffrey Dean Morgan was great on that show. I, I'm looking very much forward to the spinoff. But when you go that dark and that violent, as they did in that episode, which was titled uh, "The Last Day." on earth i believe uh it was a very interesting part of the annals of of that that of that great iconic show and of tv in general how far is too far you have any thoughts on that one on the next the next episode i see the walking dead will be my first so it would be hard it would be hard for me to i I can't i can't take shows like that i'm a wimp Uh, understood so uh there you have it for our some movie news uh, this week in TV and movie history. I'm glad we brought up the, the wrestling aspect because I do think uh, wrestling in general uh, has been a big part of Americana and our pop culture uh, way back since the 1970s. I'll give a little bit of a shout out to Bruno Sammartino who really helped s- start it all uh, back in the day. And, and really he paved the way for Hulk Hogan and, and, the, and these guys like Stone Cold Steve Austin and everything else that came after it. All right, Ken, let's bounce into our um, into our main subject of the week, which is our top 10 movies that we would like to see possibility of a remake. And uh, I- I'm going to I'm going to start here. Uh, I'm going to go with my number 10 through six. My number 10. I'm going to go with Arachnophobia. This movie was released uh, in the 90s. And it was billed, it was a touchstone release, which was a subsidiary of Disney, and they billed it as a thrillomedy, meaning it has comedic elements, it has thriller elements, Jeff Daniels starred. I like this movie. And this movie did well at the box office, but it wasn't a massive blockbuster that the studio wanted. And it was good, and I love the last 20 minutes. John Goodman's really cool in this film. Jeff uh, Daniels fighting uh, a big spider at the end. Uh, really cool stuff. So I love the last 20 minutes of this movie. And overall, I give it like a, uh, I give it like a 7.8 out, out of 10. I always liked it. Having said that, this movie, which will be remade by Bloomhouse because they bought the rights, they're gonna be, they will do a more intense version, which I think this property needs. And it's primed to do that. So if you get a little bit more nastier spiders with a good cast, I think this has a ton of potential. Like the original, look forward to the remake. I'm glad they're going to remake it. Number nine, same sort of vein. I'm going to go, let's remake Irwin Allen's 1976 disaster film, The Swarm. Now, I love my and I love me my some Michael Caine. And three of my top ten here are Michael Caine movies. But The Swarm had all sorts of possibilities. This was the third movie of Irwin Allen after the Poseidon Adventure and the Towering Inferno. He would direct this. Uh, killer bees from Africa invade the United States. Now, it has some merit. This is not the horrible movie that may, many people make it out to be. Because Michael, Michael, it's Michael Caine has some good stuff in it. Richard Widmark is in it. Has the, the sequence when the bees attack the local town. I think it's really well done and pretty cool. I thought the end is is pretty good. Uh, there's a scene where the bee, this kid, uh, takes a garbage can and covers himself, and there's hundreds and hundreds of bees that uh, try to get him but can't. Um, so there is some merit. Having said that, Michael Caine's way over the top. It's not the movie it should have been. Uh, this is prime for a remake. I think there's a lot of things you could do with this concept. I think audiences would show up. So let's do a remake of The Swarm. My number seven, 
another Michael Caine movie. It was a movie called The Island, released in 1976 about modern-day pirates based on a popular Peter Benchley novel. Uh, this one was ripe for a ton of really good stuff. I like the first act. I like the second. The third act is a scene where Michael Caine is shooting down pirates with a machine gun on a, on a, on a, on a ship. Uh, a modern day naval ship, which I think is super cool, but the sac- second act is tremendously bad. David Warner plays the villain, who's the main pirate. This one had a ton of potential, doesn't live up to the potential. Uh, Pete eventually was a name after Jaws, but this is sort of a throwaway novel. But there's a lot of high concept and a lot of good stuff you could do with the island. So let's remake the island. That would be uh, my uh, number seven. Number six. I went with It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. One, it's a great movie. One of my all-time favorite movies. But I would love to see a modern-day comedic uh, star pool do this movie. Now, they did a movie called Rat Race uh, with Whoopi Goldberg and a bunch of lower-level comedic actors, which was actually pretty, uh, pretty d- decent watch. But It's a Mad, 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 Mad World is an iconic movie with every major s- comedic star of the 1960s in that movie, from Ethel Merman to Milton Berle uh, to Mickey Rooney to Sid Caesar, so on and so forth. There was a ton of cameos in that uh, movie, and, and I'm a huge fan, but I would love to see them redo it. Uh, how they would do it, it'd be a massive budget, but maybe they could do it for charity. I'd like to see that movie remade. And my number, uh, my number six, I'm gonna go with uh, Swelling Green. Another, that's another Charlton Heston movie from 1973. Overpopulated society. What do they eat? That's a big surprise at the movie. Uh, I like this movie actually a lot because I love Heston. Chuck Connors, a good villain. There are dragging points. There is a murder mystery to this movie that could have been paced a little bit better. I think this is ripe, ripe for a remake. So I would go number six. So I think green so uh there's a start on my list ken i actually had thought of that and then i thought movies like that like like the sixth sense where there's that twist at the end if you remake them it's the same thing if you know the twist although one of mine has a twist but i'm i i don't and it was a to me it was a shocking twist but uh Sort of, sort of reminded me of something about Mary, but I'll get into it when I get into it. I have to say my honorable mention that I didn't do was Titanic. I was going to remake it, and she was going to let him on the gym floor this time, but I didn't put it on there. Number, <laughs> number 10, I'm going to take you back to 1960 when we were doing beach blanket movies. I'm going to take you back to Yvette Menu and uh, Paula Prentice and uh, George, uh, George Hamilton. And a few other people, other uh, Connie Francis. That's what I was trying to think of. She sang the theme song "Where the Boys Are," and it was a song. It was a movie about spring break in 1960. Well, now we have this year. Of course, we've had a lot of controversy about spring break, Miami enacting a curfew, and all that. Let's update "Where the Boys Are," and um, I, you know we'll see that it's a much different world than it was back in 1960. Yeah. Uh, who is on Knots Landing? She's she's uh, a country singer. She's married to a country singer now. I think she was a star of a, a remake. It probably wasn't that high high profile. So 
maybe you didn't see, but I do think they did remake that movie. Well, I, I want to remake it today. We remake it today with all the problems we've had this year with Spring Break. But you know, hey, if a Star Is Born can have four iterations, yes, I can I have three. Listen, let's keep churning them out. That's right. I'm. Uh, Saving Private Saving Private Ryan. No, I'm not making remaking it. It had the greatest war sequence ever at the beginning, the landing on on the beach at D-Day. But then it turned into a soap opera about finding Private Ryan and then saving Private Ryan and dying to save Private Ryan. I want to remake 1962's The Longest Day and tell the story of the D-Day landing and all those men, not Private Ryan, all those men who gave their life or uh, who face danger on that day. I think with, with modern CGI and everything, we could do a great, great uh, job of remaking The Longest Day. I like war movies, by the way. I understand. Okay. Number eight. It's from 1972. It's Cabaret. It was, it was, it was kind of gritty in 1972. These days, it's probably PG-13 at most. Alan Cumming, of course was the star of the remake on Broadway, which really made it dirty and gritty. I think Cabaret could be remade in the vein of the Albert uh, Alan Cumming remake on Broadway, and I think it'd be a big hit. Number seven, The Crying Game from 1992. Tell me why. Okay, well, it's a story. Uh, first of all, I mean, we're going to have to change it from the IRA. We're probably going to have to like make it um, a story in the Ukraine or something like that, uh, because... I think that we can tell better and we can actually make it more of a centerpiece, the transvestite, transgender uh, element of it. I mean, the biggest, the biggest uh, surprise I've ever had in, in, in the movies was, uh, there's, yeah, there is something about Mary or whatever, Mel or whatever his, his name was. But yeah, there was a, you know, it was, it was a shock, at least to me, that hmm, he's not supposed to have that there. And yeah, there's a few other people also in that camp. Yeah, and I think I think that thirty years ago we giggled about transgender and transvestite. These days, I think we could do a much better job of making it a a social message, really developing the the story as a to go along with the other stories. There, I, I, I want to do I want to modernize it so it's not going to be the IRA because thank God we don't have the problems in Ireland anymore. But we have other places where we could use the same concept and. Uh, remake that very similar to that i want to remake 1999's boys don't cry why because again we we did not fully explore the whole issue of transgender in a modern context we explain please we 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 pussyfooted sorry for the, the terminology around it to quite an extent i want to get deeper into the psychology Rather than just accepting, okay, this is a this is a transgender person. Let's get deeper into the psychology, the issues that they face, and make it more of a more of a modern story about transgender, where we accept it as something, as opposed to back in 1999 when we were still giggling. And that uh, that starred Hillary Swank, correct? Did that start won her Oscar, Hil- her first Oscar, first of uh, two Oscars. Actually, a very impressive... Uh, Hillary Swank and uh, Chloe Savigny, or whatever her last name right, is. Right, okay. Yep. yep, that was my number six. Very good. Uh, I'll, um, well, now we're going to do our five, one at a time, through one. My number five, how about let's remake Logan's Run from uh, 1976. Michael York was a star. 
love the concept, uh, a utopian society uh, where nobody was allowed to live over the age of 30. Uh, great concept, very thought-provoking, no doubt. Talked about it, you know, obviously dealing with the subject of getting older and ageism and where we fit into society general generationally. I think there's a lot of meat on the bones for a really plum movie. Now, there's parts of this movie I like. It's, it's well shot. It looks good. It's some decent sci-fi, but it's not as good as it should have been. This movie, uh, they've been talking about doing a remake for years. Ryan Gosling, a couple of years ago, was one of the stars attached as the lead. I want to see a remake of Logan's Run. Uh, the original, it does have some merit, not the movie it could have been. Uh, actually, Michael York, I just Googled, uh, still alive. I think he's 79 uh, years of uh, age. I could be wrong. Maybe he's in his 80s, but... Uh, I like Michael York, but this movie was not what it should have been. Should have been better. So I say, let's remake Logan's Run. Thoughts on that, Ken? I I, I think it's the kind of movie that's very uh, susceptible to a remake and a modernization of a bit. And I I, I think it will be remade, whether, whether it happens this year, next year, or sometime in the next ten. This this mark my words, Logan's Run will be remade. I think you're right. Now I'm I'm going to remake one of the best movies ever, and. Gregory Peck, probably one of the best performances ever. Uh, but they Broadway had a production of To Kill a Mockingbird a couple of years ago, uh, updated slightly. And um, mm-hmm. my problem is people don't watch movies that are 51 years old. Or the people that will watch To Kill a Mockingbird aren't the people that we have to really reach with To Kill a Mockingbird. We have people on the left who find the book to be racist. And it's like... Oh my God! Don't you get why she keeps using that word in the book? You know, it's it's to it's to make a make a an example of racism. You know, she's calling out racism, much like Mel Brooks does in uh, Blazing Saddles. And I think the only way we're going to get people to watch it is to do a modern movie. Uh, and maybe, maybe we have to get you know we'll have to get a modern black star and uh, you know somebody that can, can that can play a great lawyer like Gregory Peck. But I think it would be a great movie to remake. To, I agree. to get people to focus on race relations again and really how far behind we were only in that, I mean, 60 years ago, because of course it was set in the 50s, all the movie was made in 62, but I think it'd be a great remake. I agree a hundred percent. I like that a lot. And if you, you think about all that's going on in our culture in the world or, or ever changing evolution, nothing stays the same for, for forever uh, through all the good, bad, and indifferent. I, I like the idea. I think it's it's prime for a remake because you could tweak it into into our current generation. There's there's a there's a lot again. There's a lot of meat on the bones in terms of uh, subtext, uh, thought provoking stuff stuff we see every day. And if you cast it right, uh, I, I agree. What's interesting about a kill a, To Kill a Mockingbird, and, and, and we've done a few revivals of it on the big screen. First time I did, like 130 people showed up to watch. The Kill a Mockingbird, for me, watching it on the big screen in its black and white glory, always reminded me of a Twilight Zone episode for some reason. It just feels like a place and a time that is completely enveloped in that in that film and it's a beautiful film but i do agree i I think a remake of that film is a 
good uh, idea. I never, I never thought, I never don't know, but yeah. I would like to see it. I never thought of that, but yeah, you're right. It does have that feel of Twilight Zone, and I, I got to tell you, in my sunroom here, which I have all, a whole bunch of cat things, I have a, a painting of a cat reading a book yeah. and the book is to kill a mockingbird but it has a little bit different meaning when a cat's reading it you know? <laughs> again folks ken does no, some stand-up it's, 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 he can't help himself i actually no i actually the jokes, do the jokes, the jokes the jokes they're like body blows they just they keep i, they just I keep didn't coming. i didn't make that up i actually do have that painting okay fair enough my my number my number four uh i'm gonna go with how about let's re- remake earthquake from 1974. I'm not talking about remaking it as San Andreas with Dwayne Johnson, a movie I like a lot. I'm talking about an ensemble cast, diverse storylines, uh, special effects. I'd love to see this. And well, here's what's interesting about Earthquake. And me and Mike, we always talk about disaster films because we, we love the genre. And me and Mike are big fans of Earthquake. We love Charlton Heston. When you watch Earthquake from 74, you realize the original script, it, it, it was written by Mark Robson, who was a director, but the original script was written by Ma- Mario Puzo, which gets a writing credit on the finished product. You could see around the edges that Earthquake has a dark tone. And at the, the subtext in the heart of Earthquake is the relationship, which is a very dark one and a disturbing one between Heston Stewart Craft and his wife, played by Ava Garner, and his relationship, uh, an affair he's having with Genevieve Bouvard in the movie. And it's very, very interesting stuff in the end where Heston ultimately sacrifices himself to save his wife, who he can't stand. And you can see it's a toxic, highly unlikable uh, relationship, but yet he does that. I just found it very interesting. Now, originally, Instead of Heston, they almost cast James Caan, which I think would have made the movie very different, but absolutely unique. And I would have loved to see Earthquake with James Caan uh, 40-something years, uh, 49 years later. I would have loved to see that movie. But I think there's a lot of of interesting possibilities to do an Earthquake movie set, again, in Los Angeles in 2023 or 2024. You get a uh, an all star cast. I, I think you bring back the disaster movie in a big time way. I, and if I was uh, Universal, I would con- ser- seriously contemplate doing a big budget remake of uh, the '74 movie Earthquake. I, I think it's a great idea. I think it is too. Yeah, my 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 number four. I start it started off as a little bit of a joke, but then I thought, yeah, I, this would actually work. I'm going to remake 1987's The Running Man. Except I'm going to make it a little bit tongue in cheek, and I'm going to have I'm going to have Steve Harvey play Richard Dawson's role, just just as he has on uh, on uh, no, no, Family no, no, Feud. No, 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 go ahead, proceed. No, just as he did on Family Feud. I really think that you could make that as a um, you know one of these comedy uh, comedy disaster whatever comedy horrors whatever you want to call it, where it's it got a little you have a little bit of uh, and of course you're going to have a a hero who's going to be far more on the comedic side than the I'm Arnold side. But I, I really think you could do that as a, uh, as a little bit of a different tongue-in-cheek kind of move. Maybe, maybe you could get somebody like the Coen brothers to do it, you know? I, I don't know if it's going to be the, the way you want it to be done, but I will predict in the next 10 years we will get a remake of The Running Man because it, it, it is plum for a remake because it has so many interesting sci-fi and also cultural uh, you know, thought-provoking 
ideas in that movie. I believe it was based on a, on a short story by by Stephen King. Uh, for the audience who don't know this, Paul Michael Glaser, who played um, Starsky and Starsky and Hutch, directed that movie. I thought he did a really good job. It was Arnold before Arnold became the mega mega star of the Terminator movies. But I, I lo- I'm a big fan of the Running Man. And we're actually going to do a revival of us uh, during our Spotlight series, third Saturday of the month at the Pocono Cinema. Uh, that will be in the month of May. We're going to be doing the Running Man uh, from, I think it was 86. So I don't think they're going to do it the way you want it, Ken, but it is interesting. But I do think we will ultimately get a remake of uh, the Running Man. Same vein here, I'm going to bounce into my number three. Discounting the TV show, which I think was a completely different hybrid animal. How about Westworld? I'm just talking at the movie. Yes. Now, in 73, Michael Crichton wrote and he directed Westworld, which starred Yul Brenner as the gunslinger at a theme park where vacationers went to enjoy themselves uh, and live out their fantasies. I'm a big fan of this film. I think the last half hour is an absolute roller coaster. Mano e mano between Richard Benjamin as a vacationer being chased by the gunslinger played by Yul Brenner. Uh, this movie has a lot of good ideas. Uh, Michael Crichton directed it himself. I think it's well shot. I loved Richard Benjamin as the lead. James Coburn was the co the, the co star in this movie. And that scene in the last act when 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 uh, when they come out of the ball fight and they're tired and it's early morning, and uh, Yul Brenner says uh, the gunslinger says draw. And Richard Benjamin looks at James Brolin and he says, oh, I'm tired. And, he, and Brolin says, I'll do it. And uh, pulls out a gun and, and, and uh, Yul Brenner's character shoots him in for real and he drops to the floor bleeding. And then there's that chase scene throughout Westworld and Medieval World. It's some pretty awesome stuff. So I think as a movie, not the t- discounting the TV show, which is a completely different animal, I think doing a Westworld movie like the original movie, not the high concept of the TV show on HBO, but a straight remake of the original movie with some different variation of ideas around the edges is a good idea. So my number three, let's remake Westworld from 1973. My number three, and I I put down the musical version of Les Mis, it can be Evita, it can be any of the musicals that were made in the last 50 years. I want Spielberg to remake more musicals because of what he did with West Side Story. I want, I want the cinematography and I want unknown actors. And I think, I think he, I hope he does another one. That was it. Okay. Good, uh, good pick. I like the idea. My number two, I'm going to go with uh, John Carpenter's They Live from 1988. I love that movie. I'm a big fan. It has a lot of thought provoking ideas. Roddy Piper who came out of wrestling after WrestleMania three? Carpenter had uh, liked him, met him in WrestleMania, cast him as the lead. In the credits, his name is John Nada. He goes by no name in the film. They really just say hey. Uh, they never call him by a name. He plays a homeless construction worker who realizes that our culture has been taken over by an alien, uh, an, an, an alien race who've come to Earth. Uh, to become Republicans. Uh, and it does have a political subtext, but it's extremely thought-provoking. It's well done, and we shot on a $5 million, $5 million budget in 88, which is fairly low. Um, I think this movie's prime for a remake. I think there's a lot of interesting ideas in this. I think if you attach a big star and flesh out a, 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 a good 
script similar to the original and just do it bigger, uh, I think you got something really special. So as much as I love They Live from 1988, I'm very open to a remake. So let's do a remake of They Live. No, I, my number two. My number two. It's a it's a it, you know it's a classic movie, Breakfast at Tiffany's. But okay, four things four things about it. One, when we yeah. remake it, Mickey Rooney is not going to play a Chinaman. Then, oh, uh, yeah, that's a given. That's, uh, we're going to make it clear to everybody that Holly Golightly is an escort. Okay. Because, you know, we sort of, they gloss over that 60 years ago. Of course they did. And, and of course they did. My, my one and two will both have that, that concept that, hey, we got to stop glamorizing the sex, the sex trade. Uh, how, Audrey Hepburn, as great as, and as much as I love her, she was a little too ditzy for me as Holly Golightly. Uh, okay. And and the and the fourth thing is my cat Donnie looks just like Cat. She can star in the <laughs> remake. But I, I, I would I would love to see Breakfast at Tiffany's remade, but be true to the actual story, which you couldn't you do any, sixty years ago. You have any stars in your mind that you like to see cast? I I, I haven't thought of that, but yeah, I, I was actually I was thinking somebody who looks like a Natalie Portman could do it. Okay. You know that that kind Very of good. look. I like that pick. Good pick. Here's my number one, and Mike's gonna get a laugh out of this, but I'm I'm serious. If there's one movie that I feel that could have been better, that I wanted to be better, I still sort of like as a throwaway time killer. And again, Mike's gonna laugh when he hears this. But let's remake, and they'll never remake this because they're, they're never gonna foot the bill. But how about remake? Beyond the Poseidon Adventure from 1979. Now, everybody knows on this program that listens, my favorite all-time film is The Poseidon Adventure from 72. It took seven years to produce a sequel. Now, the original was released by 20th Century Fox. For whatever reason, Erwin Allen brought the, the, the sequel, which was based on a, on a novel by Paul Gallico, which is a direct follow-up to the movie, not the original novel. And... Uh, seven years later, he brings it to Warner Brothers. And when you watch this movie, you sort of realize that the continuity from this to the original is fairly non-existent. Yeah, you got the same uh, concept. The ship has already been turned over, but it wasn't from uh, a a, uh, a sea quake uh, that caused a 90-foot tidal wave, but it was by a Mediterranean storm. So they changed that. When they get to the ship that's overturned, it doesn't look like a ship on its last voyage that was all rusted and colorless. It, everything looks sort of new. Uh, you have characters in this movie uh, that are silly, like Slim Pickens Tex and uh, Jack Warden's Blind Man. You don't need these characters. Now, I do like the concept of a salvage of a guy uh, Michael Caine in the movie, Captain Michael Turner, who uh, claims the salvage rights, goes in with Carl Malden and Sally Field, uh, and, and, and knowing his, his boat, which is the Jenny, is going to be t- taken away by the bank. This is 1979, Mike, and Carl Malden has cancer, he has no health insurance. So if they go in and get the loot, the gold, the money, he can get his operation, Michael Caine can pay his mortgage. It sort of has an interesting... That's sort of an interesting idea. What the movie uh, goes awry is it doesn't need Telly Savalas. It doesn't need a villain. It doesn't need guns on the Poseidon. Good guys versus bad guys. That is uh, completely ill-advised. Having said that, I can watch a movie as a throwaway time killer. Mike knows that. But but if you want to do something serious and do a direct remake of the Poseidon adventure and do it the same tone, the same look... Uh, and, 
in the, in the, in the same thrills, that's where I would go. Now, obviously, in 2023, no studio is ever going to write a check to do this. But in fantasy land, in multiverse world, I would love to see a remake of Beyond the Beside Adventure to really get what needed to be right. One of the classic movies of all time deserved its proper sequel. It deserved its proper follow-up. It never got it. What it got was an afternoon, Saturday morning throwaway movie that has silly elements beyond belief. And that's what you got in the final product. So let's remake Ken Beyond Adventure. And and Chuck like in Scotland. yeah Chuck in that five minute dissertation actually was channeling his inner Rose Nyland you know um, but um, <laughs> my, 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 I thought I was I actually thought I was doing a Peter Finch okay network, my my, no, my my number one and I'm going to put Natasha Leone as the star I think okay. she, I I just love her in uh, um, the her newest I thing like yeah oh yeah and the one that she has now Poker Face I mean she is great but she would play she'd be a great hooker. I mean, she really would. In fact, okay. I, I'll she, take your she, word for it. She, well, and she has some drug and other issues in her back in her in her past. But again, movies that glamorize the sex trade, none did it more than Pretty Woman. So I'm going to read. No, so you want to remake Pretty Woman? I'm going to make re, I'm going to remake Pretty Woman. But the hooker is going to be a hooker. Kit DeLuca is going to get killed by some crazed killer or catch an STD. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, their apartment. I mean, I was like, it was I, like, I actually thought the hooker would be a gigolo in your version. No, but no it's, just, it's just that the, the, the hookers. I mean, it was like, it was like, oh, it, it was like, it's almost as if it was all, oh, yeah, it's not a bad, yeah, it's, it's like a nine to five job. I want to do one that's gritty and really shows the, the sex trade. I, I want Natasha Leone actually to end up, you know, killing him at the end, but or something like that. But mm-hmm. let's, I, you don't even have to get go that far, but let's, let's remake and let's put some reality into it because. It really, it wasn't a, it wasn't a real movie. It was, okay, it was self fake. So what you're going what, what to do by doing that is you're going to take his two hundred dollar, two hundred million dollar box office and turn it into a twenty million dollar box office. Let me tell you yep. a quick story, quick food. The original, and we talked about this before. The original title of Pretty Woman was called Three Thousand. That was the yes. amount of money that Richard Gere paid Julia Roberts for the weekend to stay with him. The, the original script was much darker and explored a lot of themes that you do talk about yes. Gary Marshall got a hold of the product pro- uh, the project and the script he lightened it up he mainstreamed it and that's the final product which you got Julia Roberts uh, becoming a household star in Pretty Woman it does tweak a little bit of a darkness around the edges but only around the edges I love Pretty Woman but your concept is a good one it is a good one but it's not going to be the viable hit at the box office of the original. Well, it'll, it'll, it'll be as big. It'll be a biggest hit as as uh, Beyond the Poseidon Adventures remake mm. will be. But in any event, uh, <laughs> I, I, I I had actually timed it so That's I, a body blow, folks, I, but I, I ended my number one, so I wasn't going to have to do any editing for time. And of course, Chuck um, added some time to it. But Chuck, hey, we we filled up another show. We did. I had a good time. Good comedy, a few good jokes out of Ken to the audience at Whoa Whoa. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you at the movies. Bye, Chuck. Thanks for listening to Movie Maniacs. Download one of our archived episodes. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts.
podcast by Federated Media.